Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in wide. Close by Bishop. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast, in association with absolutely no fucker ever. Um, we come to you with the storm clouds gathering around Petaudry a touch. Uh, we're not quite in cracked crest crisis territory, but we are at the point where we tend to get invited on a mainstream broadcaster to question where the dons are heading, and we turn them down as we're nobody's dancing opinion monkeys. But we are jigging along for you tonight, myself and Martin, looking back on the events at Tannadice yesterday. Let's pick the scab off that one. But before we do head into that one, Martin, um, obviously a lot of uproar during the week for Jim Goodwin's uh, lengthy ban for his comments about Ryan Porteous after the uh, Hibs game a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, not ideal. Um, it was a bit naive, I dream, to go in so deep on him. Look... Porteous did cheat to win, you know, to win the win the foul. Um, it was it was harsh. You expect your manager to know better. Um, to we'll obviously find out the the written reasons. I, sh- I assume the club will probably release it, or no, it'll be released publicly anyway. What the actual findings of the of the hearing were, um, and we'll see exactly what was said. But I think it was I think it was quite naive, um, Goodwin, to say that he'd spoken to the, the referee pre-match. I'm not going to pretend I know all the rules and regulations, but you know that comes that probably comes down to try and influence an official. Um, so I think it was a bit silly of him. He didn't need to come out and go and go so hard. That's Jim Good. When every manager does this, when you get a, when you get a bad performance, he wants to take the heat off his players um, and put the heat onto him. And I think he just gone a little bit too far. Um, I think to be honest, last night listening to the radio post match, which obviously we're going to come to. Um, Willie Miller hit the nail on the heads, you no know, saying no, because some of the some of the other pundits had mentioned, you know, Goodwin not being there maybe affecting the players, and Willie Miller absolutely nailed it. He says, well, he didn't need to say what he said. He could have kept his counsel, just kind of gave the bare minimum of 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 a response. But I think it was really, I think it was silly of him to go as go as hard and as deep as he did on the comments about um, obviously the Porteous and then the the cheating stuff. Yeah, I think there's some history there. I think there's, there was an incident yeah. at St. Mirren Hibs the season before, uh, which was similar. You know, I have to say, looking at it real time from behind the goal, it kind of looked like a foul, which I suppose is credit to the way that Porteous was able to, to sell it to the referee, to be perfectly honest with you. Once you see it back a few times, you can see the chain of events, but in the melee of a, a corner kick and a crowded penalty box, then first glance you, you're just kind of catching what was going on between scales and Porteous at the corner of the eye and you're thinking scales is over and penalty kick so you, i think you're right to say that he certainly didn't need to go quite so hard at him raise it fine 
come out and call him a cheat, I think, is the thing which has got him got them done here also with regards to the severity of it i think you know it's it's at obviously the upper limit i think of anything i've ever seen around this before um and i would question that and we will have to wait for the sfa to release the the full reasoning behind the length of the ban but i suspect it's not going to be jim Gugan's first time in front of uh, the guys at hamden and i would imagine that plays a part trying to actually check to see what uh, the times he's been in front of a disciplinary committee before isn't that easy. The the search uh, function on the SFA homepage isn't uh, isn't very good. But certainly there was at least one occasion of St Mirren manager where he he got a three match ban. Um, I think it was two plus one suspended. Where and it was a similar kind of thing. He's he's kind of coming out after the match and saying the referee cost his team the game. It was the um, last game before the split, if St Mirren had won, I think even if they'd avoided defeat, they would have made the top six and they lost at Hamilton. Now, the referee had given Hamilton a cheap free kick. But, I mean, again, trying to blame the referee in that situation when, you know, your team could still have defended that free kick and, you know, done all the right things ahead of that free kick coming into the box. It, it is the sign of a manager who's who, who's looking for excuses, I think, and kind of almost playing at um, the managerial 101 uh, press conference 101 to try and shift the blame after what's quite a damaging defeat really i still maintain obviously that, that porteous has it's kind of almost got into his head in a way uh, in a way which probably isn't that healthy it was absolutely inevitable he'd be called up for it as soon as you heard it you just knew that that was going to end in a, a sanction as i say i think the punishment is towards the heavy end but it's i think goodwin's also a repeat offender in terms of how often he's been in front of the, the committee there at Hamden as well. So that will no doubt play a part as well. Just like in normal society, if, you, if you're if you a repeat offender, the tariff of your punishment is going to be higher. So that was the kind of background to the game on Saturday. Um, a little bit of... Um, well, I mean, it could have been used, obviously, as a as a way of uniting the team and the fans and certainly the fans predictably were given it the you know the fuck the SFA chance all pretty much all throughout the game yesterday intensified a little bit with uh, the penalty penalty decisions which we'll come to a little bit later um and you could have used it as that and you know done a back to the wall you know fuck the rest of them victory yesterday but it didn't quite work out that way did it Martin and it had been a a positive start, actually. We we were on top against what was looking like a very dun- nervous Dundee United team, and that's entirely understandable, as they hadn't won before yesterday. Uh, which is uh, you can't you have to remind yourself it wasn't just a hammering a, a decent team; it was a hammering against a team who hadn't beaten anybody else in the league until yesterday. Um, and the main culprit, obviously, for not putting us ahead when we were on top was Boyan Miofsky, um with a very bad miss uh, in front of the goal with the keeper out out of the equation his overall performance as well um he's very good at pitaudry oh yeah he is yeah he's really good there um just quickly before we get on to Miofsky, I think you're, you're absolutely right saying what them um, about you no know, could have been a, a big unifying kind of experience you know the club and the fans and everything getting together you know four thousand people getting down there they'll deserve a lot of credit no tra- no trains running you know, everybody, you know, it's buses and cars and, you know, favours getting called in. Um, and that that's that's one of the many disappointments that come come from, from yesterday is it's like, you know, 
we can talk about you know we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to, you know we'll talk about you know letting people letting the fans down and all this kind of stuff it was like it's you know it's a, I think it was a missed opportunity yesterday um, and yeah missed opportunities um, Mayovsky look the first one the first one is behind him I'm willing to give him the benefit of doubt the benefit of the doubt on that one um, the one that he's played across the front of the, the goal from Richardson it's behind him a little bit. Um, but he's a you no. Know, he's a he's you no. Know, for what we've seen, you no. Know, we've all been kind of getting carried away, and he's showed. I'm thinking he's a really, really good striker, and he can. Mine, you know, mine. Bang it's, them in. it's a sitter. Let's not. I, th- I think ourselves. it was. Look, I think it was. I think it was a quite. I think it was behind him, and it was a tricky one. I'll, I'm. I'm. Go- I'm. 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 I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. The other. The other ones. There's. Like, I think there's two other ones that up at the other end. I think it was in the second half that. Those are those are the frustrating ones for me. Um, he gets himself in good positions, like like one of them's like eight yards out. I don't think it's even if it's that much, um, and it's it's kind of you know when you're when you're up against it like we were, you need to you need to be you need to be kind of taking those chances, you know, especially if you've missed one early. And I don't know if maybe he's the type of guy that gets rattled with a. If you say it's a sitter, then no, it's you're entitled to say that. Then maybe he was thinking that as well. Maybe that has gotten into his head. He's a striker. You want to score goals, but I think all round he didn't have a good game at all yesterday. We could, I know, we could nitpick every single player, and we probably will come a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> and say what this guy didn't do well, because uh, a lot of them didn't do any very much well. Uh, but I think Mayowski, you know, hold up wise, wasn't very good. Just wasn't getting, it wasn't doing anything that we've seen from him before that he's capable of. You know, when he did get in good positions, he was missing good, missing. No good chances. Um, yeah, I think the the ones in the second half. Uh, I I think the two you're talking about are, are both from um, through balls by Leighton Clarkson. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. Yeah, and I will give him credit for his movement there. I think his movement there is is probably creating that opportunity in a way that I don't think any other striker at the club that we've got would be able to do that. Ramirez probably scores that one in the first half, but I don't think he has the movement to kind of create those openings in the second half, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, let's be clear, at our level, even though we have invested a significant amount of him, as the club keep telling us, we're not going to get a striker who can do all things. So the idea, I'd, I'd, I'd never seen him as a kind of like hold up guy who would, you can fire a ball into him and he hold it up and bring players into play. And I don't think that's really how we are approaching the season full stop anyway, is it? And we'll come on later to the style of play and how that really is almost kind of productive in a way. But um, but I think his movement has generally been excellent. And because of that, he, is, he has been scoring good goals. We've been getting the end of good team moves. Eight goals this season, half of them admittedly from the penalty spot. I mean, it's the old rehashed ag- argument about, you know, it's not as if scoring penalties doesn't count, but the, the open play goals are really what you look for from a striker. So... It's just that split that he hasn't, and, and there was a horrible mess at Easter Road as well before this. It's just at home, he, he seems really comfortable and really on top of it and leading that line well, but away from home. And this mirrors what you know what we're seeing with a lot of the rest of the team. This away record is hideous, and it's been hideous for a good few years now. This predates Goodwin, it even predates Glass. It's been a problem. It, it is a proper Jekyll and Hyde situation. Um these are the games yesterday, these are the games, Tanadice, Easter Road, Tynecastle, these are the games that matter to Aberdeen fans. 
home and away against uh, Celtic the Rangers, obviously, but like going away to Tanadice, it's it's a big barometer. You know, we'd expect to kind of beat them at home, I think, and we haven't always done that in the last couple of years. But going away from home, you know, we expect it to be a bit challenging, even if they have had a dismal start to the season. They've also spent a lot of money on their squad like we have. So, you know, nobody, I don't think, was expecting a walk in the park. And it is a sort of afternoon that Aberdeen fans really look to in the calendar, as evidenced by the fact there were 4,000 people there. So to to come away with yet another away performance, which really flattered to deceive, and, you know, this one was worse than many others, because in addition to not scoring when we're on top, which has happened I would say in quite a lot of those away games over the past couple of years, losing not just one bad goal, but losing two really bad goals in a very short space of time. And then, well, by the time the third and fourth goals go, go in, it's, it's becoming an absolute horror show. So the um, the goals before half time, they're more or less out of nowhere because Dundee United hadn't really been seen as an attacking force up to that point. No, they really had. I mean, they'd had a couple of couple of chip, couple of chip, no I think the header went wide really early in the game but they hadn't really done no they hadn't really pressed pressed I thought that one of the things that was weird what I thought was concerning because we know you're right obviously we t- we've spoken before about the away form many times is that with a with a big noisy crowd away this because this kind of thing it could have felt like a home game you know the you know, you, you get the, the crowd making lots of noise obviously what had the shed was full behind the goal you'd like to think you know you can you know, you can you can create a big a good atmosphere, um, and that can maybe hopefully you know kind of get kind of make its way onto the pitch, and the players can kind of thrive from that. But um, that didn't happen, and then you know we lose these two these two goals that are both really I think it's the forty one and forty four minutes or something really poor goals to lose. Um, you know, and you've got Coulson at left back, and you know you just find. The, the players just their play, their player just sailing along the touchline um from the throw in um just really yeah, and poor defending Colson and Hayes Colson and Hayes are guys that we've praised this season and, yeah. and guys who have done well so far this season uh, you know we've been should, much more should, concerned about the right side of the pitch yeah that should never that should never be allowed you know a guy getting the ball in that position from a from a throw and just wandering along the touchline um and our, the box was the box was full as well we had plenty of bodies in the box um so it, no, it's not just one person to blame there as well. There's no, there's there's four or five at least, where you're looking at your centre half saying who's picking up. I think what was it? What had the original shot? Yeah. Um, so who's picking who's picking him up? Who's touched tight? Who's close to him? Right, the second right, as well. Play. The second is so similar. <clears throat> yeah, and the same. And obviously, Behich was it? Behich scores the first one. Who's picking him up? Um, he, no, he, he finds himself and just got no people going to sleep and when. When you're in a defensive situation where you've got three or four players going to sleep, you're going to concede. Um, and the fact that this, no, the second one was was kind of similar, was pretty similar as well. Um, it's so I, I don't know if they were spooked by the first by the first goal, um, but you know, the old one of the oldest cliches in football is no, don't concede just before half time. 
well, Jesus Christ, lads, don't concede two just before half time. You know, I like getting carried away, and I've got a lot of faith in this Aberdeen team. But we're not coming back from two 0 down. Well, it didn't. It didn't really look that way for long parts of the second half. Um, I mean, the the way in which we reacted, it it seemed like we were spooked. Spooked is the right word to use. It, it felt a bit like remember some of Jamie Langfield's performances at Tannadice even at Tynecastle in the Cup semi against the same team. It, it, it felt like the defence collectively had one of those. They, they just, leading up to half-time, batting down the hatches, just going one down, take your medicine, get a foothold at the start of the second half, try and work your way back into it. You're right, we didn't look like coming back into it. And we haven't really done that this season at all. Already this season, we've dropped eight points from winning positions this season. But I haven't gained any from losing positions, which uh, I think still speaks to a vulnerability about us. We look weak at the back because we are weak at the back. You know, there are, Dundee United probably you know, couldn't thought they must have won a watch yesterday, getting you know getting two goals like that and going in two 0 at half time. That totally changes their I know I look for the second half. You know, I know people will say, "Oh, two 0 is a difficult scoreline," all that kind of stuff. They can, they'll come out knowing that they can just kind of sit. And just then work on work on the counter because we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to no, the manager's going to have to change something at half time. Yeah, so, and he did. To to, to be fair, I mean, uh-huh. we saw Connor Barron coming on. He made a bit of a difference. Luckily, we saw Leighton Clarkson come on, and I felt that there was a spell up until that third goal where, if we had scored with Dundee United's uh, confidence being so low, then it was a possibility, and there was at least, as I say, a good maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, but out of a match of 90 minutes, it's not enough, is it? And again, to have to have changed so completely from the initial uh, pre-game plan to, in order to try and work yourself back into it, it, it is quite damning. Well, that's that's the thing. You have to make changes that you probably weren't wanting to make. So you then your your game plan, your game plan goes out the window. So in terms of in terms of that initial setup, Martin, I mean, we all know that we're playing the fullbacks really high, and we're we're you know putting a lot of pressure on the centre halves that way, and on Ramadani by doing so. So that's your risk reward. Your risk is you put more pressure on the centre halves, more pressure on your defensive midfielder. Are we really seeing the attacking output from the fullbacks to justify that? Absolutely not. No. Um, Richardson, I mean, I'm, I'm going to single Richardson out because I think he's been, I think he's been pretty awful for us, to be totally honest with you. I just, I just, I don't see, you know, what we get from him. You know, he's he's not a defender, but in terms of going forward, you know, he, other than the, okay, yeah, he laid a, he laid the ball across. For the the Mayovsky chance, um, early in, in early in the game, but he just seems to be he just seems to be like at times he's just lost, um, and so you're not getting anything from him if he's not if he's not creating assists, and we're losing silly goals, then I don't really see what what you get from him. Coulson as well, no, Coulson has been tidy in some games. Um, I've I've you no, know, we've praised him. We're, I don't think we're, we're not we're not getting enough from him. If that's the way he wants to play, if he wants to have these fullbacks, you know, getting so high up the pitch, then they have to be have to be contributing, um, and they're they're not. Yeah, I I think both of them put a shift in. I think both of them are up and down that touchline. I don't have any issues with their uh, with their work rate either of them. It almost feels a little bit harsh judging them often on uh, their defensive qualities, particularly in transition, because they are. All, often caught so far up the pitch and that's uh 
that's a design feature. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's not their individual mistakes being so far at the pitch. That's that's how it's meant to be. So like last season, there's acres of space behind the fullbacks and teams know that. And, you know, in transition, they can just play it in there, pull a centre half out wide and, and start causing us problems. Yeah, well, I mean, the Dundee United yesterday were, st- were stretching us um, almost from the from the get go. And Richardson's side, um, the name's gone. The, 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 their le- their left sided midfielder was just seemed to be told right hug the touchline, and that that separated that separated us completely. You know, Richardson was having to be out there, so he's not so he's not being really able to tuck in or help out the centre halves when they need them. Um, nobody's coming out to give him a hand as well. Um, and I thought he, re- I thought he re- really had a, t- a really tough time, particularly first half, um, where and it was it was quite obvious what they were trying to do, um, which you know you, you need to you need to have a, a defensive unit working together. It's no, it's no, no football one on one again, isn't it? You know you you're, you're, you need to be helping. You need to help cover for one another. You know we've seen it in the past where we've it's not just a Jim Goodwin thing where we have no full, a team with fullbacks that like to get forward, um, you know. You know, back in back when we started doing this this podcast, we spoke about when it was Shea Logan. You know, Shea Logan was you no, know, you get much, you get lots going forward from him. You don't really get that much much in defence, but the defence were able to help out and cover for him when he was maybe caught up the pitch. We've got two guys who, as you say, by design are playing up there, um, getting caught high up the pitch, and we don't have, the, they don't have the the, the defence, the two two central defenders. Sorry. And the defensive midfielders aren't aren't either reacting quick enough to help out, or by design are maybe in positions where it's no they're not able to help out. So away from home in particular, do, you know, do we need to tweak tweak things tactically? Because I think we'd all accept a few shit fest one 0 wins away from home just to kind of put get that monkey off our back. So. To me, it makes sense to be a bit less gung ho with the fullbacks, provide a bit more cover to the centre halves, and not be quite so intent on always trying to play it short as well, because that, frankly, yesterday caused us quite a few problems. Ramadani has had a good start to his Aberdeen time and has received a lot of praise from a lot of quarters, but yesterday he was repeatedly getting caught on the ball because he knew exactly when balls were coming into Ramadani and they also knew where he was going to go to. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was really poor yesterday. I mean, I know he he'd obviously well they thought he picked up a knock early. Um, I don't know if maybe he was just trying to play. They were he was just trying to play through it, but he he didn't look. He looked a bit of a shadow of himself yesterday. Um, and yeah, you're right. They they they'd clearly studied what he does. The, the the playing the ball short thing. I feel I felt kind of I felt a wee bit sorry for. I felt a wee bit sorry for the no for for Roos because you know they clearly tell him to do that. Um, they're trying to do that, you know, play out from the back, and Dundee United are, you know, for all the things that you know we would criticise for. Like one of the things Tony Watt and that is good at is he's good at getting in people's faces and pressing and working hard, and um, which they should be doing anyway, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no question, but it was just seemed to be so easy, so easy for them. Um, it was, it was just, just telegraphed a lot of the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just it was really just, telegraphed. It was obvious what and... was coming. It was going to be. It was going to go. To, it was going to go to scales, or it was going to go to um, Auntie Stewart. Uh, but it's, it comes across. down to that. It comes down to that risk reward thing again. Are are we actually getting the reward from wanting to play like this? You know, are are we seeing great moves and great goals being scored because we're stretching teams from you know our own goal kicks? I'm not so sure. 
Well, no, we're not. We're not. We're like we're. I know. I mean, so you, I know why you do it because you want that. You want them to be you know as spread out in the pitch as possible to create space for you. That's all well and good, but we we didn't seem to be getting out of that first phase from the defence or the, from the fullbacks. It would maybe go from the full the fullbacks whatever to to Ramadani. They were right on top of him, so it would come straight back, and we'd find ourselves under pressure, and that would then end up having to go long. Know, along to try and maybe find Hayes or Hayes or Bzawin or someone on the wing, and you know, it, it, they pressed us really well when they, when they needed to do that. There's no question about that. But I just say that you know, it's all about risk and reward, um, and it's at the moment it's too high, it seems to be too high a risk. Where like you say, a, a shit fest one nil, just get you know get some get a couple of get the points going, get the, the team moving instead of this trying to. Trying to be a bit too no, I don't want to say be too clever for our own good, but just without trying things that are maybe just a little bit too complicated. Although we, of course, we thought we had that shit fest one nil early in the season at St Johnston, and it's done very little good uh, to subsequent results. Um, I I just wonder. I mean, we spoke earlier about both Baron and Clarkson coming on. I I do think we were better with them alongside Ramadani, just giving us more of a foothold, more control, and also more penetration because you've got. Clarkson and Bavin, both players who play with their heads up. I, I don't think that is something you could say about Ross McCrory as a midfielder. I think he's got tremendous drive, tremendous energy, but you know I don't think penetrating ball, through balls are his forte. Um, so with regards to the middle of the park and also perhaps with regards to Ross McCrory, what, what would you like to see happen in there and what would you like to see happen with Ross McCrory? I prefer, you know, if, if McCrory is going to be on the pitch, I'd prefer it to be in midfield. I don't like him at centre half. Um, I don't like no. I don't really like him in a three as well because I know that we we went to that later on. Um, I think you get the best from him if he's in midfield. But when you know if Barron's back, if Barron's you no know, back and he's going to be fully fit. I mean, he looked to be okay yesterday. I mean, I don't know if know if he's got ninety minutes in him. We don't know. Um, but if Barron's fit, Clark and Clarkson's fit. Um, it's it's certainly a it is a it is a, a question because we yeah undoubtedly looked better with those two in there. But it doesn't have to be binary about McCrory. I mean the other option is you've already called out uh, Richardson. The other option is him at right yeah. back, which uh, which would certainly allow allow him the opportunity to still get involved in midfield given how far at the pitch the right backs are instructed to play. Well yeah, I would mean, assume that if you put McCrory there, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be marauding as far forward as as Richardson is. Um, I think that in in with that way he'd probably be a more a more so he would certainly be a, probably a more solid defensive option, um, despite the fact that I don't like him at centre half. Um, but going, I mean, going going forward and going up the pitch as much as much as no, I do like. I think that McCurry well, gets. Here's a question: well. do, you, do you like Anthony Stewart better than you like Ross McCurry at centre half? Wow. Yeah, I didn't write that. I didn't write that one down in the notes. You've, you've, you kept, you've kept that receipt. Jesus Christ, absolutely no. Well, um, yeah, no. <laughs> Firm, Stewart, no. Stewart seems very much a kind of um, bread and butter defender, doesn't he? Um, a, a guy who generally will still get beaten on occasion, but generally can mop up the kind of rough and tumble stuff that you'll get in this league. For a team hell bent on passing out, doesn't really seem very suited to that. I'd be very surprised if that's what um, that's what Goodwin had in mind when he signed him, because he 
from everything that we've seen, he isn't that type of player. Uh, not at all. Yeah, it, it is the kind of question mark really about did Goodwin sign him? And I think I've said in this podcast earlier in the season, I think this was one of the names, um, Stuart, and probably Scales as well, that were out and out unequivocally um, Jim Goodwin signings as opposed to signings that the recruitment team and the data analyst team have come up with based on Jim Goodwin's sort of style of play that he wishes to play. I, I do think the centre-halves were, were people that he has identified as whether they be the right character, the right types, but it is difficult to see how, how Stuart really fits into that uh, way of playing. And again, as captain, you think that he's probably more immune to being dropped or being uh, ed- ed- you know, edged out of the team for C. Ross McCurry than he might otherwise do. Well, that, that's the, that's the, the problem. Um, the, the defensively, no, I, don't, I don't think we've not been really been impre- impressed with him. And But you can't see him drop. If, if, if he was a Jim Goodwin signing, there's no, he's not going. To, I don't think he's ever going to drop his captain. He's made him captain for a reason. It's maybe you not know, kind of good Jim Goodwin saying you know, he's putting a, putting his stamp on the team, kind of saying this is my guy. I'm bringing him in and I'm going to make him captain. Um, maybe putting a full stop on or whatever you want to call it on the old old regime. Um, but yeah, you, it tends to be that your captain doesn't get dropped, so he's the one that's going to play. Um, it would certainly be a huge admission of things going wrong if if you were to get dropped. So I, I really can't see it, certainly not at this point. Got to talk, I suppose, about the penalty kick. It had absolutely no material impact on the outcome of the game. We were soundly beaten, um, but you know, seconds before Dundee United get given an incredibly soft penalty kick, we get one denied for what was a pretty clear handball, I think. I mean, I, I honestly... Couldn't tell you what the latest minute revision to the handball rules are. Maybe because it's like flicked off the goalkeeper first. Maybe that means it wasn't, you know, it's not counted as a handball. There have been so many small changes to that rule over the past couple of seasons that you that you lose track. But, you know, that's hit his arm. I don't know why um, Richardson didn't, doesn't just smash it first time when it comes over to him either. Maybe that's a lack of confidence, but... Um, you know, the keeper's obviously out narrowing the angle before Richardson eventually takes the shot. But then it's straight up the other end and there's nothing there from McCrory and it's Bully Collins all too happy to to buy the um to buy the falling over by Sybold. Yeah, and whenever no this isn't even one of those situations of oh well when nothing's going right for you, these situa- these things go against you. It's not even one of those. It's a terrible. I mean, it's a terrible decision by Willie Collum. I'm not going to go overboard on Willie Collum because, looking, you know, in in fairness, it made, it would have made no difference anyway. You know, in, in terms of the result, you know, we were we were you know, probably probably losing the game at that point anyway. But to get to get you know Conlon that it's never a penalty in a million years. You know, you you saw it straight away. We could you know everybody could see it from from the in the stadium. And once again, it's Willie Collum with an with an atrocious decision. One that he's decided, you know, it's again, you know, we talk, we joke about the Willie Collum show, um, and it's like how bad, how bad a, a referee is this guy that he he, he believes that, um, and just just awful, you know, um, a complete a complete but a complete bot penalty, um, and you know when things are going badly, you know, just it just it's it just 
on top of everything, you know, the opposing team getting given these atrocious decisions, um, it really does leave a horrible, horrible taste. It used to be the case that referees got retired off at the age of 47, so we'd be able to actually set a countdown on how long, how much longer we'd have to deal with Willie Collum. But sadly, they've uh, they've got rid of that ruling now, so um, might be stuck for, stuck with him for about a decade more, Martin. Um, the fourth, it's just an all-time classic on goal. It's um, you know there are going to be uh, Dundee United social media accounts that uh, make. It, endlessly recycle clippage as much as we do uh, that we'll be replaying that Ross McCrory goal in 20 years time isn't there uh, there certainly will be yeah um, you know it's you know much like much like we absolutely love to share that Reggie Blinker own goal um, you know the, the DUFC here we go account or whatever they're going to call themselves um, yeah they're going to be running that one forever um, just you know what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, you, you, a total calamity, you know. I, did, did, I mean, we don't know, did Roos shout for it? If Roos has shouted for it, I mean, I'm not really sure why. I'm Because I think that if McCrory, it's McCrory's ball for me. But, you know, if McCrory leaves that, there's a Dundee United player behind him. He's, I think he's getting to it before Roos does. So that's like a tough thing situation. Yeah, so I, I mean I the bottom I line th- is I don't think I don't think Roos has shouted for it, which well, means that in, in if, my if mind, he has shouted, McCrory hasn't heard him, and that's yeah. the blame either lies between them or it lies with Roos because his positioning is bizarre. If yeah. you know, if he's not called for it, if he's not been really really clear about calling for it, but there wasn't really I don't think a need for him to come out and claim that either because it's really come out of the edge of his box as well. Um, McCrory was dealing with it. It was on McCrory's head. There just wasn't a need for him to, to come out that far, I, do, I don't think. No. Um, but just... <laughs> just... Um, if, any, if a single goal kind of summed up your afternoon, then that was that. I, so, wondered, I, I wondered if... The, I, know, I, was, I think it was before just before the second goal. Um, Roos came out of his box and he wasn't... He, he kind of half cleared the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wasn't. He didn't look remotely, remotely confident when he came out for it. Where a confident goalkeeper, you know, who's maybe a little bit stronger, would have probably headed, headed it, and launched it out, and it would have went out for no, would have went straight up the pitch, you know, probably at the halfway line out for a throw. But he came out and he kind of like, it was a weird height for him, and he tried to kind of. By the time he got, by the time he did go to touch it, it was a weird height, and he tried to kick it. And I don't know, maybe if that was in, you know, McCrory's mind that. No, he, if he if he didn't hear the shout or if he did hear the shout, whatever, it was I don't know if that maybe was in McCrory's mind that is he coming, is he not coming, and then he just went for the you no know, went kind of t- thinking I'll just tap it back to him, and by which point, Roos is you know in no man's land. So I don't know maybe if that was his thinking. That was something that I thought about when I was picking over <laughs> the bones. <laughs> We spoke about uh, Stewart being a, a big call for the manager. Another big call, obviously, was uh, taking in Kelly Roos and um, replacing Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis has, uh, did not have a terribly happy couple of seasons, uh, but we know that Joe Lewis's ceiling is pretty high with regards to this uh, this league. It, it's a big call to make that shout of your former club captain and a guy who was um, certainly at one point the highest earning member of the squad. Have you seen enough from Calavista to suggest 
suggest he is deserving of that place in the team and an upgrade on what we had before? I don't think he is. Um, and you'll, you'll, you have to caveat that with that Lewis you know, has, has struggled um, the past couple of seasons. Um, he, he's admitted that, that he admitted that himself. You know, there was obviously the interview he did where he said about how when Constein got injured, you know, he lost that kind of almost unspoken kind of bond with the one-year defenders where you know what he's going to do. And so I think that that affected him. I mean, look, the, the two guys that were that were they brought in and playing once Constein was injured, you no know, Gallagher and uh, David Bates are both gone. So that's very telling as well. Um, and so I think that it's been a little bit harsh on um, Lewis that the Roos has been brought in and you know, we've not seen anything from, from Lewis at all. Um, but again, I think that's possibly, like I, like I thought said what I thought might have happened before, I think that's possibly the manager you know, wanting to put his stamp on the team uh, and bringing in his own man. I mean, he's all, if, he, if that's someone he's identified, um, you know, fair enough. But for, for what we've seen, I don't think he's... Anything like a anything like an upgrade on uh, Joe Lewis. Well, that let's put the top on that uh, Dundee United game, um, and let's move on to um, the next part of this podcast, which is um, which really you've decided. Um, we asked you for any questions you might like us to answer to prevaricate on, and um, you've come up with a few. And it's definitely there's a few strands here. So I, I, the first question is about. Um, the free transfer market, particularly with regards to, excuse me, centre halves, and um, also related question, you know, what do you think happens in January? So first of all, I, I can't see them moving to get another centre half in. You know, there are no injuries currently in the squad. Um, they obviously consciously took the decision to let Bates go um, and leave Jack Milne basically as your backup centre half. Whether there's going to be a little bit more change come in January, that's a different story. But I, I don't think it's it's on the cards that they that they bring in somebody on a free transfer right now. Because um, even th- the thing is, you've got what you, you've got um, maybe six weeks before we shut down for the World Cup. Would that be right? Round about that. Uh, yeah, it's the beginning of next month, isn't it? Beginning of next month. Okay, so maybe not even yeah. that long. You bring in somebody on a free now. You're looking at at least that long for them to get up to speed. So, with barring any, you know, no injuries, no long-term injuries for any of the defenders, I I can't see the free market being utilised. Free transfer market being utilised. January is a different story, um, and you know how we get on in the next couple of months is obviously going to dictate how much work that needs done in January and. Um, Frankly, whether Jim Goodwin is still in charge of uh, the team come January, I, you know, I don't think that's likely. But um, yeah, didn't think it was likely that Stephen Glass would be out of a job in um, February when you know we were at the winter break last year. I, I think these things can can happen very quickly, and um, I think there's enough disquiet out there which uh, which suggests that the next six or seven games are, are pretty damn important. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and but and I've not, I've not, you know, looked to see who's available currently, you know, in terms of freebies. Um, but you would, you know, you would, we would like to think that, you know, there's been people identified, 
um, for perhaps next summer, and you know, guys that are going to be out of contract um, in you know, June or May, June, July next year. So whether they feel the need that they need to reinforce then, um, or potentially, you know, if, you know, obviously if they're out of contract, they'll be able to sign sign pre-contracts if they've got guys. You know, and I'm sure there will be a list of people that you know, the team have identified, whether that's you know, whether that's um, Goodwin himself or the or the, the football team behind him. Um, but I, I guess that just comes down to you know what happens in terms. You know, hopefully, don't touch wood. There's no injuries. Um, the scales thing is obviously kind of you know is is, is up in the air. Whether you know what you know, I don't know if we would 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 sign him or make an make an effort to sign him. Um, in terms of you know, trying to get trying to get him on a permanent deal. I don't think Celtic would want to give it want to give us him on a permanent deal anyway. To be totally honest, yeah, um, it's not in our hands. That's that's yeah. I think, they, I think I think they would probably liked. I probably like the idea of him not playing against us. To be totally honest, um, so I mean, I don't think that no, I don't think we'll see NMD with at least before January, um, and then obviously post, you know, you know, obviously there's that break for the World Cup, um, and then we'll you know, we've got some gate, we've got some games after that before that you no. Know, a run of games before the the window will open, um, and we'll see. And you know, it it does just depend on injuries. I think if anybody comes in early, um, you know, if you want to try and move for one of your targets, who I'm sure they've 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 got they will have a list of names. They always do. But again, this lack of seeming lack of defensive options in the squad, it, it's deliberate. He's been asked about this, and he's come out and said that he wanted to get more attacking options in the building rather than defensive options. And we've got guys who are coming in as attackers and either not been seen because they've been injured. Um, yeah. do, do you remember Connor Roberts? I had to double check that we'd actually signed him when I was uh, when I was looking at the squad earlier. Um, and then the Shaden Morris, who we have seen a bit more of, but we haven't actually seen him do anything on a football pitch. Um, so we, you know, we have got a lot of attacking options, but um, only some of them are actually contributing and only some of them look like they will actually contribute in the in the near future uh, but defensively you know you've got Jack Milne who he's uh, really not going to use I don't think a Kilmarnock game the other week was the opportunity to really use him and um, you know he got um, he got 11 minutes towards the end of that game 10 or 11 minutes towards the end of that game and he got three sub appearances in the the early League Cup games so in total he's, he's done 62 minutes this season uh, so he's he, you can kind of almost forget that he's in a very much an emergency situation he's been on the bench most weeks, but um, that's really as far as it will go. Pretty much everybody else will, will get a look out, a run out from the bench before Jack Milne is likely to get a run out from the bench. Um, so you are looking at McCrory. You are looking at McCrory filling in at centre half. Um, and beyond that, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know whether you could have uh, Coulson move one in. He doesn't seem, frankly, robust enough, just even on a a fitness basis because he's another one that seems to be kind of frequently down and picking up knocks. Yeah. Um, it's it's weird. It's like last season was the opposite. We didn't have enough strikers. It's like the people in the building have been, you know, have been burnt by last season that we've just gone completely to the other end of the scale. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. It's like it's it's kind of like you know we've gone down the route of being like Kevin Keegan's Newcastle, but without the entertainment. Oh, it was um, Aussie Ardulis, wasn't it, with the the sort of two three five at Tottenham? Yeah, where we've just we've just signed all these attacking players, and we've got Darren Peacock and Warren Barton at, at the in the defence. <laughs> um, 
there you go. Didn't expect to mention a Darren Peacock in an Aberdeen podcast, I certainly didn't. did you? Certainly didn't. That, there you uh, go, well... have that one. Have a Steve Howie as well while, while we're at it. <laughs> Thus alienating at least every listener under the age of 30. Well done, well done. Um, Moving on to the the kind of bigger questions. As you'd imagine, I suppose, um, out there after a a pretty heavy defeat and a pretty toxic atmosphere coming out of Tannadice last night, do you think, um, getting right to the nub of it, has there been any actual improvement under Goodwin compared to Glass, Martin? Um, I don't think there has really. Um, I think we've just kind of, what's the word? We've just kind of, you know, trundled along. Um, things are things are going pretty much the way they were before. I mean, we had the we had the, we had the the, the league cup group stages, which you know, I, I get. You no, know, I mean you're the stats man. I'm not, no, not me. So you'll be able to, you'll know about this better. But you know, if you take away. You know, wins against lower league opposition. I would probably imagine, you know, just guessing off the top of my head, that we're probably, we're probably not. The numbers don't give us a different picture as well. Um, and oh, I don't think looking been... just at looking just at league games um, and taking points per game, Stephen Glassman is one point one three eight, and uh, Tim Goodwin is one point one four three. So statistically, we have improved by point zero zero five of a point per game, which is so, definitely so, worth all the money that's been expended. To... So, so, the, so the answer, the answer, the answer is clearly is no. Then, yeah, I mean, it's 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 this, it's basically just the same. We've just we've just kind of like say trundled along. Um, you know, been ga- games where games where we haven't impressed. You no, know, we've kind of you know, taken beatings from them uh, as well. Um, it's it's not been you know like and, and that's the thing though you say that for the money that for the money that's been invested in a squad over over the summer um, there really should have been been an improvement you know a lot of bodies a lot of bodies moved out and a lot of bodies came in I think it was a was it eleven or twelve new faces yeah and it's um, been it's been it's been starters as well that's that's uh, we've never had a summer like this where there's been such wholesale change to the first eleven. I mean, the squad as a whole has had, you know, a lot of comings and goings, particularly in more recent seasons when short-term contracts became the norm. But we've we've never really had a summer like this where basically your entire back five for starters. I mean, who are the people who are, who are regularly getting a game who, that were here last season? You've got um, you've got McCrory, and um, you, you've got well Connor Barron, I think you can say. Um, Maybe say Marty Kennedy as well. Oh, Johnny Hayes. Johnny Hayes, obviously. Uh, But Johnny and Johnny Hayes, to be fair, he's improved substantially. Um, Just put it up on on the feed a little while ago. He's uh, we've got him on ten assists this season. Again, some of those are in those League Cup romps, which you know barely count. But um, it's more than he's managed in the last two seasons combined. Um, So he's improved. Certain individuals have improved, but overall, taken as a whole. Of the whole piece, I don't think he, we have improved. Now, I read a lot of people saying that, oh, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't uh, judge Goodwin on the games at the end of last season because it wasn't his players. I think when people say that, they don't quite grasp what the situation is at Pataudry with regards to how the squad is going to be built up. I think there are going to be players which he is able to identify and a club will look to bring in. And I think Liam Scales is definitely one of those. And as, as we had a discussion earlier, Anthony Stewart might be another one. But the majority of the players are going to be ones which the club have decided fit the profile of the way they want to play football. 
um, this whole football philosophy, this whole document which we're which we're trying to adhere to. Um, and it's his job to corral those resources and get the best out of them and get the most successful team in the park. So, you know, it's not that dissimilar to, you know, the squad last season. It was his job to get the best out of the players that were available to him, made available to him. Um, so I don't think you can completely discount last season's results, which were not good under Goodwin. They weren't great under Glass, but they were not good under Jim Goodwin. Um there's been a marginal improvement on that. We are scoring goals at home. Um, the home games have been um, strange, I would say. They've been entertaining. Of course, there's been a lot of goals, five goals per game. Um, but we haven't really had to work very hard in some of them. Obviously, in two of them, St. Uh, Mirren and Livingston, uh, they are heavily influenced by red cards for the opposition. And then the Kilmarnock game, again, a bit of an oddity. It, it felt oddly easy for us to score goals. Um, so I, I feel we haven't really had much of a challenge in a lot of those home games. And the one challenge we did have, we failed against Motherwell. Whereas away from home, it's, it is just the same old, same old, except the defeats are getting heavier. So if the wins at home are maybe being burnished by a few more goals, the defeats away from home are, are looking a little bit uglier. Yeah, you'd rather just you'd rather try and just you know bring them bring them a bit closer, you know, um, and yeah, you know, th- those two home games obviously the you know it's largely helped by you know some suicidal behaviour by by you know the opposition teams, you know, particularly St. particularly the St. Mirren one, um, so that that is that's worrying as well as like you know you can sometimes you can excuse patchy away form, but our away form isn't patchy. You know, um, if you're if you're do, if you're taking care of games and you're winning win at home and you're doing everything right at home, sometimes you can you can for, you can let you know let it slide a little bit away. But at the moment, you know, it's 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 kind of it's it's not great both ways, and that's a worry. That and I know that sounds stupid saying that when we've no what we've beaten two teams four one at home, um, but there's, there's the circumstances surrounding that. You know. Um, you know, t- teams getting men sent off um, obviously massively helps us out. So, shall we dig up the um, quote which we seem to dig up, dig up every post, uh, every podcast, and um, basically ask the question: If fixing our defence was so easy, why hasn't he done it yet? <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's great, isn't it? It's it's so good when a manager give, gives you a gift like that. Um, it feels because... like a really cheap shot, but you know what? Um, don't say stupid things if you don't want them held back at you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, don't come, don't come out and say, don't come out and say something silly, um, and you'll be fine. But you know, he's he, he's came out and he said something silly, um, so he's he's gonna, you know, it's it's going to be thrown back at him. It's going to be thrown back at him by Aberdeen fans. It's going to be thrown back at him by you know lots of other teams. It's probably going to be thrown back at him by I don't know someone like Declan Gallagher, to be honest, um, because you know he just. <laughs> These bold statements are all well and good, um, but you know fine that you know, there's a boot up the arse coming uh, no, not far away from them. Yeah, that's another similarity with the last manager rather than just results, isn't it? That um, sometimes it, you know they speak an excellent game, but it really hasn't translated yet into results. No, it hasn't. Um, and <laughs> Jim Goodwin's Jim Goodwin's a little more experienced in terms of Scottish, you know, Scottish football management than. Than Stephen Glass was, um, so you would like to think he would know better, 
because you know glass glass was away for you know away for several years you know enclosed in the bubble of you know um american soccer um no however however you want to know don't discuss just say say how that works but you know goodwin should know better um he knows how he knows how it works over here um you know, just, you know the media and all that works and so just yeah i mean there's throwaway there's throwaway lines in a way but it, they are quite revealing i think because well, there yeah, are no I mean, shortcuts here. There are no shortcuts to just doing the work. And you can't go from, generally speaking in Scotland, you can't go from being the sort of shambles that we were for most of the last season to to the top of a league. And, you know, I would still suggest that this is still relatively early in the season. What are we, nine league games in? And we have changed an awful lot of that first 11. And it will take time for them to gel. And it will take time for that solidity to come and i hope it comes but football managers don't get long these days they really don't stephen glass made it to 29 league games i'm thinking off the top of my head um yeah 29 league games good ones 21 in already um there's there's an argument that the clock's already ticking i think that's fair though there's definitely there's definitely some dissension and there's a i mean the conversation is at the very least happening um, about whether whether it was the right decision or not, I think that's that's something that is not completely fair to say. Um, to see if they got it, to see if they got it right, because you know I don't you know like we just well like the second question we had there. You no, know, there's you know, deep, has there been actual improvement? Well, I don't think there's been actual improvement. You no, know, so people will naturally say, well, can you look forward and say, can you see anything coming? Can you see the improvement coming? doesn't really look like it you know we've got a group of players who you know were very heavy heavy weighted at the top of the pitch um you know what what no why is that happened why is he not tried to perhaps you no know, round out the squad slightly better um i know that the position aberdeen find themselves in we're going to get we're going to be you know sometimes relying on loans whether that's from england or whether that's from you no know, other teams in scotland um you know teams teams in scotland i don't like it but it is it is what it is unfortunately um, and you know when you when you don't see the improvement, you know the the conversation will happen and people will ask questions. Um, I think you know which which you're entitled to do. Moving back onto the squad as a whole, we've been asked uh, what which of the new signings do you would you give pass marks to? Um, no, difficult one to answer on the back of a four 0 humiliation at Tannadice, Obviously, I think we've gone through a, a lot of the key ones already. Um, I don't think any of the defence can really, and that includes guys who have up till yesterday made a relatively solid start, like Hayden Coulson. I'm not sure any of the defence or the goalkeeper can we can really give unequivocal pass marks to. Uh, no, um, not not at all. <laughs> um, I would judge. I'd, I'd be no, Coulson. I would maybe go sort of give like a give no fifty fifty, um, but. Richardson and Roos particularly, I would no, not at all. There's been a lot of praise for Ramadani, um, but you know, I think in the games where you kind of want him to really excel, which is, from my mind, thus far this season at, at Celtic Park, at Easter Road, at Tanadice, you know, the games where we're really going to come under a bit of pressure, I, I think he's been found a little bit lacking. I, I think it's a, 
it's a pass there, but I don't think he deserves quite the unanimous praise that he seems to have had in certain quarters. Um, moving up the pitch, I do think, despite a pretty horrendous afternoon yesterday, that I do think there's there's a lot to like about Bojanovski. I really like his movement. Yeah. I, I think it's quite telling that Clarkson's able to find him quite a lot. Uh, maybe some of the rest of the team aren't quite as good at finding him, um, but uh, Clarkson seems to be able to feed him because his movement's pretty good. Um, I think, as I said at the outset as well, if we if he was a striker that could do everything very well, he'd be absolutely nowhere near Petodri. Yeah, and that's like I just said there. That's unfortunately the, one of the, another position we find ourselves in that um, you know we've been able to attract him here. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's got no. Maybe he sees it as a, a stepping stone uh, down south or something. I don't know. Well, I'm sure uh, he does, and that's fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's that's fine. I mean, because that's the model now, isn't it? We're being told that training's the model. Previously, we were being told that uh, developing our own youth academy system is a model. But since that came along and became a, a core thing about our um, footballing philosophy we've obviously stopped putting a, an academy graduate in every starting 11 so so now we've we've pivoted and it's about player trading bringing in guys like Bazuin uh, um like Miofsky, probably to a lesser extent Ramadani because he's he's considerably older um Bazuin obviously isn't a, a new signing came in last January um I don't know about you I would I would love to see Ryan Duncan get the same amount of minutes that he's had yeah, I'll be, I mean, that would be interesting. I mean, yesterday, you know, I know the game was gone yesterday. I'd like to see Ryan Duncan come on. Uh, perhaps, um, you know, we saw, you know, we saw late in the game, we saw someone like Ramirez come on, which was an absolute waste of time putting him on. That's not an, that's not an attack on Ramirez at all as well. Uh, but I don't understand what the point of putting Ramirez on was to have him play, play basically in midfield when you've got someone like Ryan Duncan there who, you know, a could be doing with the minutes, you know, and B will probably be here a lot longer than he is. So I would like, I'd like to see more. Yeah, I'd like to see a lot more of Ryan Duncan. I suppose the other one that I'd give um, a tentative pass marks to, and this is perhaps against my better judgment, um, it's uh, uh, Luis Lopez. A blunt weapon, but quite an effective one. Yeah, I mean. You know, we were we were a bit sarky about what I say we probably just made it was with me really a bit <laughs> sarky about him after after the oh what game was it? Was it Dumbarton? Sterling, I think, it? in his debut. Sterling Albion, sorry. Yeah, Sterling. Whereas obviously we saw we saw sort of all three, you know, sublime, ridiculous and you know, mental or whatever, you know, from him in that you know, that first appearance. Um but yeah, I mean I would the problem is you look look at him and I can I think they can see that there's more to come. Um, yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, compare that to somebody like yeah. Shaden Morris, then, where you've seen absolutely nothing to, yeah. to to sort of question why the hell they've signed him and paid money for him. Yeah. Um, I think that's the real difference. I oh, definitely. That's that's why you know you want to. I would. I'd, I'd definitely say that you would give him give him pass marks because you know, hope, you know as the season move as the season moves along, you know, I'm sure he's going to see more minutes. Um, and then we'll be able to get get you no know, hopefully get something out of him. So related question: um, Do you think certain players are guaranteed a game regardless of form, either because we've paid decent money for them or because Goodwin of Goodwin's named them captain, taking quite a leap to put them in the team in the first place, as we've maybe talked about with Stewart and Roos earlier? Um, but I think definitely, I think definitely, you know, and 
I'm, I don't want to. Yes, I don't want to just totally keep going going on about Stewart, but I clearly, um, I think that he's you know, he's clearly been made made captain. He cl- he seems to be one of those. No, he doesn't seem to be one of these screamo kind of captains that's going to be you know ranting and raving at people. I've seen him have a go at people, you know, but I don't, I don't think he's one of these ones who leads by you know ordering people about and doing things. I think he seems to be a little bit more quiet. I think he is. To be honest, I think I think someone like McCrory, if we're being honest, I think is probably guaranteed a start as well because of how, um, because of how you know many positions he can slot into. He's versatile, so you could have him. Like you no, know, I know you've said before. You know why not have him at right back? You know, he can play in midfield. He can play at right back. Um, he can play in centre defence. He can play slightly further, further forward in midfield as well, if needed. Um, so I think there are certain guys who I don't want to say are their favourites or know they're other Jim's boys because you know that's that. I don't think anybody you know in terms of that is just like only oh, the manager plays him because he likes him. I don't think there's anything like that. It's, you know, it's there's nothing like sinister going on there. But I do think there you no know, just there's guys who will play because of what the man manager thinks he can maybe get from them the question for me is you know are we getting enough from them and that's where Anthony Stewart, Bruce um, I mean obviously um, Bizarre would I'd like to see a bit more from as well but as guys who seem to be getting a lot of minutes that don't seem to be dare I say warranted at times but defensively as we've mentioned earlier when you don't have the backups and when you don't have anybody else to step in there you know what can you do? You know you can't. You know you can't. You can't drop. If he was to drop Stuart, no, McCrory would be back there. If he was to drop Stuart and McCrory, we don't have anybody. You know we've got Milne, who he doesn't. Who I I agree with you. I don't think you know. I don't think we'll see in any kind of in any sort of anger. Um, maybe we'll see him after the after the after the split when you know there's maybe nothing to play for. I mean, hopefully, <laughs> you're already writing off the league season. No, hopefully, no, hopefully, hopefully, it isn't like that. But you no, know, he's saying like no. I mean, after the split, when you no, know, we're we're you no, know, we're you no, know, ten points clear in first place, um, and you know the, the the championships decided. Then the last couple of games we can play Jack Milne, but that's more um, like it. It's more what until, you're on and, this podcast for. But, but until then, until then, and I agree with you. I don't think we'll see see much of Jack Milne, which is frustrating. But it is just. It's my opinion, and so I think it's. It looks like that's how it is. Yeah, I mean, if, if you've given up hope, then you know what chance the rest I, of us, quite frankly, ne- never give up hope. Obviously, again, when things go as badly wrong as they did yesterday, focus moves to other parts of the football club as well. So there are questions about the director of football's performance <laughs> and uh, what does he actually do, etc., etc. I think it's important to note that we we don't really have a clear view of where the responsibilities lie with regard to, you know, how hands-on is he with transfers and how hands-on is he with um, with guiding um, what the you know what the director of recruitment actually looks at. Um, you know, we had those. Um, interviews with Graham Hunter at the start of the season um, all very chummy but um, difficult to discern exactly you know where that line was Um, you know it's the same as we were speaking earlier on about the signings which are definitely Goodwin signings and the signings which have been given to Goodwin because they match his you know his uh, 
playing style in terms of you know he wants young energetic players um so it's hard to be definitive about that um you know i suspect that his new position isn't perhaps that far removed from his old position which is which was obviously a very administrative based position um if I'm being honest, I mean, director of football, he will sit on the board, he will give guidance to the board about where we are across the whole footballing units and not just the first team, but the youth squads, the women's team, etc., etc., about how we are implementing the strategy. Um, but I would be surprised if he were that hands-on in the identification of players, probably more hands-on in the actual in the actual securing of the signature negotiating the transfer fees, etc. My guess is his role is a more administerial one. I would say that. I mean, I would assume that as well. I mean, look, this, no, you, you, you use the word strategy there. I mean, no, the, the strategy should be, the strategy for the whole club should be pointed towards winning games. Yeah, yeah. Um, All this sort of pretty football developing, football club exists to win games. Um, <laughs> we'd like to do it with a bit of panache style, clearly, but I mean, you know, Call me, call me old-fashioned. I would just like Aberdeen to win some games, please. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, yeah. Look, it, it, like you, like you say, you they referred to the interviews that they the done um, with Graham Hunter. No, even when the the back last season, last season or the season before, whenever it was, um, when no Cormac did interviews with Mal, um, you know, it was all very, it was all very cosy. Um, you know, I'm look not at, look at I'm you not on first name terms of the. Was it? Was it? It was Mal, it was Mal wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, even, everybody knows who it was because we've all watched the same interview, so we know it was Mal. Um, <laughs> um, you don't throw me off the track, but no, but he's done. No, they're all very. The interviews were all very cosy, um, you know, and there was you no, know, there wasn't a lot of like difficult questions. And I understand you're not going to. It's not a gonna club, yeah. It's club media. That. I mean, you, you know, you're it's not going to get an interrogation media. on there. I mean, we shouldn't expect it either. Um, you know, the clubs media stuff it does a lot of good stuff particularly around the heritage but it's never going to be anything other than Pravda with regards to you know it's 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 output on the first on the current first team yeah and i mean look it's uh, i i would imagine that the attitude of you know in terms of you know what does what does steven gunn or what does this person or the next person do day to day um is something that we will never find out and you no know, that's that's fine that's okay okay uh, but here's the question as, as long as the, as long as the footballing unit or whatever you want to call the director of football and the team he works within um as long as that it, is then working as a unit and functioning well at what point then do you if to change the question then at what point do you do you stop just rotating the head coach do you say that maybe the strategy is to blame or maybe the implementation of that strategy is to blame well since well, since the since, since the new chairman took over, we're on our third manager, um, and yeah. things things have gone things are have gone downhill. You know, I think okay, things were going things weren't weren't great at the end of the the end of the McInnes reign. No question about that. No, I've no interest in getting into the conversation about whether it was the right or the wrong decision to get to. You'll to still get be of. getting into that conversation twenty fifty two. I assure the Alex you, Smith I assure you, is I, I <laughs> uh, you might, Richard. I'm I'm not answering any questions on it ever again. I've had enough of that question. Um, and but you no, know, it's it's now we've we've changed to this model where you no, know, and we've spoken to many people who know 
far, far more about that type of you know, director of football role. You know, we spoke to we spoke to Derek Ray because obviously he's very, very well versed on um, German football and how that works over there. We spoke to a lot of people, um, and if it's you can't you can't just keep changing changing the mind. I know this is only the third or only the third manager, but as we mentioned, there's no people are there's there's rumblings about oh sugly peg for Jim and all that sort of stuff. You know, how many times do you keep keep changing the man that's the, at the front the front of the the the, the coal face the, the manager of the football team when you when you eventually you all start have to look and say what's you no know, is it coming what's coming down from from the chairman down to to Stephen Gunn and the team around him in terms of the recruitment team. I think you know eventually eventually you will have to start that will need to be looked at as well. See, what is what is it they do? You know, is there a is there a man going to come in who maybe wants the job, but will say, well, I want complete control of the football and you know the football aspect of the club. What would that be allowed to happen now? Not really sure. Um, you know, if you know, we 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 heard about outstanding candidates when Stephen Glass got the job. Yeah, I, do I we, don't think we, so. I I think that. I think that Goodwin was probably able to eke out a little bit more control um, yeah. based on the situation he inherited at the point that he inherited. And the fact, obviously, we went to him um, to try and get him for the job. We'd identified him. So I suspect he was able to eke out a bit more control, um, maybe a bit more wage budget. Who knows? Um, but but yeah, it's an interesting question. At what point do you, do you stop just rotating head coaches and stop blaming them for a failure to introduce a way of playing until you change the strategists and the strategy behind that. Um, I guess who knows is the answer. <laughs> um, yeah, but but top marks for you, top marks to you for the, the beginning of the question, getting in the old fit does Willie Miller, even. <laughs> can I even run a chippy? That was always a, a favourite back in the Jimmy Calderwood days, wasn't it? Fit does Willie Miller, even yeah, demon. Yeah, and. I love that. Again, even then, there wasn't really the clarity about how that split really worked. Um, I would say that he was probably a bit more hands-on, um, but but simple answer is we, do, we, we don't know. Um, but based on what I can see and what I can hear, I, I, I think his actual, Stephen Gunn's actual day-to-day role hasn't probably changed all that much from... Uh, from when he was uh, head of football operations before. Um, still on sort of non-football people, the question is a deep-seated complacency or a lack of ambition at the top of the club? Yeah. It depends how you. It depends how you want to read that one. I mean, do I? Do you think? Do I think that from the chairman down, that everybody in the club wants the best for Aberdeen and wants them to? Uh, Wants them to get to get back to being, you know, at the top end of the division. Um, at no, at no, at finals, winning finals. Absolutely believe that that's what they want. Um, I don't know about no complacency. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. I mean, perhaps no, perhaps there was an idea of you no know, that. Well, Aberdeen are a big club, and you no, know, if we if we do the right things, we'll get there. Quite, we'll get there. Knowing it, it won't, maybe maybe the idea is that it won't be too difficult. Um, I think would maybe be a thing, um, because you know if you if you've got the right if you've got the right people, um, and clearly you know well the chairman thinks he's got the right people in the right positions to get us back there. Um, 
I think that he probably thinks it would be fairly, it would be not straightforward, but it should, it would take care of itself if you're doing the right things. That goes back to our last question about, you know, has, has the, has the, 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 the you know, appointed the right people in the right positions? Um, I have to say that this question was accompanied by a photograph of the director's the uh, director's box at Tannadice yesterday, <laughs> which had uh, obviously Dave has pitched up um, from. Um, imagine, imagine Dave coming over when there's a big away crowd for a photo <laughs> opportunity. What are you suggesting? What are you suggesting, Richard? Obviously, How Dave's over, uh, but attention was drawn by the. Um, by our correspondent to the fact that uh, sitting behind the front row of Cormac Gunn and, well, obviously Jim Goodwin, since he's not allowed in the dugout, uh, were Mrs. Stuart Milne and uh, Craig Brown. Um, and I, I suppose his inference was, it wasn't just his inference, he actually said it, um, was that, you know, why are these failures still hanging about the club um, with regards to Milne and Brown? Um, you know, I, I shan't rehash my opinions on Craig Brown. Um, Steady to shit, Richard. Stuart, Stuart Milner has at least uh, paid for his comfy seat, I suppose, over the years. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, there is. I think it's right to have suspicion of the chairman. You're not like doing the club down by having that. I think it's I think it's always right to have that healthy scepticism of um, what's what's happening, how it's being approached, what the motives are. But equally. You know, I, I think Cormac, like Milne before him, has put his money in where his mouth is. Um, and he is, to a degree, being let down by, by those underneath him, um, unquestionably. But there's no divine right just by the fact that he were Aberdeen or the fact that we have spent X amount of money yeah. um, to any sort of success. I mean, that's the Anne Budge argument, isn't it? You know, Hart shouldn't be relegated because we spent a lot of money. You know, that was basically the entire extent of the legal claim against the SPFL, and they wonder yeah. why they lost that one. Um, so it, it has to be done right. It has to have the right people in the right positions. And, you know, sometimes you still need a little bit of luck to get to where you want to go. You know, um, Derek McInnes probably wouldn't have lasted a couple of seasons if. Um, if say Alloa had won that penalty shootout right at the start of um, right at the start of his reign, and that's you know it can come down to something as as fairly arbitrary as that. Um, also, questions about Cormac's tenure to date. Um, yeah, it's been you have to applaud him for putting the cash in, um, finally getting us to where we should be with a training ground. Um, you know, someone raised the point about the win percentage since we opened the training ground, which, um, I mean, it's 39%. I did actually sit down and work it out, um, <laughs> which, frankly, uh, we take 39% as a whole over the last couple of seasons uh, because it would be much, much better than where we have been. But, um, you know, it was something the club had to have in place because it was amateurish for it not to be there. Um don't think you'll feel the benefit of that. It was never going to be a, a silver bullet to solve any of the issues in the first team. But what it will do is, firstly, make sure that we're not miles and miles behind every other um, professional club of our size in the country. And, and secondly, it should really give a huge boost to the younger teams coming through as, as the facilities for them to train and for them to improve day on day, week on week, are so much better than they used to have. Um, the first team largely takes care of itself. You know, it didn't, you know, to to 
kind of go old timey things were much better on my day. It didn't do Fergie side any harm to go and train on the beach, did it? But you know, um, it, it may well have done uh, loads of kids a lot of harm in terms of like overplaying or even just over use of muscle groups and so on to be playing on shit grounds and having to train on beaches or waterlogged pitches or uh, red blaze turf back in the day. Whereas now, you know, players have the opportunity to develop in, in controlled surroundings, uh, which weren't there before. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I think, you know, if that'll be, that probably will be the the, the legacy, at least our part, a big part of the legacy that, you know, when we, if, you know, when we look back, um, you know, when people look back on Cormac's, you know, reign at the club, however long that goes, is, you know, the, it's the, 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 the training pitch, the training, the training facilities, you know, well, you're not going to miss it, are you, since he named it after himself? Well, there so. is that as well, yeah. For, he didn't. I, I, to be fair, that was Stuart Milne before we get any letters. Um, but, he, um, you know, that, again, you're not going to see the benefit of that really for the first team as much as, you know, like you said, you know, it's, it, was a pain, it was a pain for them having to scramble about at Seaton or Bulgownie or wherever like that. Um, but, yes, this is about your, you know, this is about your, 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 young, your youth teams. Um, and they'll see they'll see the benefit of that. So, and you're not going to see the proper benefit of that for 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 years, no, maybe four, four five, six years, um, and then we'll see. You know, if having having these young players having this specific place for them to be and train and play their football all the time, um, if that works, um, let's all hope it does, and we find an absolute generation of you know absolute starlets. Um, well, speaking of which, Alfie Babbage, eh? Yeah, well, there you, there you go. Let's you know. Let's, let's heap the let's, pressure on Alfie Bavage, shall put, we? Yeah, let's put all this pre- let's put all this pressure. Let's um let's treat him like he's Andy Bagshaw. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's one for there's one for the younger <laughs> listeners as well. No, you remember all the pressure that everybody put on Andy Bagshaw that he was going to be the next the ne- I don't know the next Eric Black. Um, I mean, I'm assuming he's Martin Bavage's son. Anybody who like pays any sort of attention to the Highland League. 20 odd years ago, we'll, we'll know who Martin Bavage was. Yeah. Um, probably played league football. Did he repeat ahead as well? Or I think he did, yeah. So I think that's going to benefit him in terms of sort of knowing knowing what's going to come his way to a degree, isn't it? So, um, But yeah, um, certainly one to look out for. Um, those exploits are, are not to be not to be sniffed at, I don't think. Um, finally, uh, and this, I suppose, is the, the sort of key question, what it all comes down to. <laughs> how long is long enough to make a judgment on Jim Goodwin? Uh, I mean, some people have made their judgment on him already. Um, no, I think that, well, we said we said this, you know, what I'm like, you know, but I've seen what seemed about 20 minutes before they bagged Stephen Glass, um, you know, that they wouldn't get rid of, they wouldn't get rid of him before the end of the season, I think though I think it would be, be, be foolish um, to to suddenly decide that right this is it. No, he's been he's done after you know less than a, less than a year. I mean, you get a, a, a full season. I think is you know he he, de- he deserves at least that. Um, you know, I think we got to remember really that Stephen Glass was 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 drummed out because. We had gone insipidly out of well, really three cup competitions, yeah. but definitely the two domestic ones, um, and that's undeniably a huge deal for a club like Aberdeen. It's, it comes down to the cups, and if you go and act to the likes of Wraith Rovers and Motherwell in the cups, then that's not so good. Uh, of course, it was a manner of those defeats as well. 
Um, so, realistically, I, I think Goodwin gets to at least the end of the Scottish Cup campaign. Um, unless things absolutely go off a cliff in the league, and you can never discount that. Um, you know, we've seen it with Aberdeen teams before, where things look, you know, you have a bit of early season optimism, things look as if they, you know, something might happen there. It's maybe just like a couple of decent wins away from really getting on a roll, and then just things collapse, completely collapse. So that, you know, you can never discount that. Um, but I think, and hopefully he gets much longer, hopefully we do start winning away from home every time and we do keep the home form going and we do start scoring loads of goals away from home as well. Um, but no, I, I don't think it happens now and I don't think it happens, certainly not whilst we're st- still in the League Cup. If Partick come up here in a couple of weeks' time and, and knock us out, maybe that again puts a different spin on things. But um, the Cups are where it's at for a club like Aberdeen, as long as that sort of target of qualifying for Europe through the league at a minimum um, is still in hands and we don't, and we're still in the domestic cup. So I don't think there's a conversation there, but, um, but that doesn't mean to say that the conversation isn't happening among, amongst the support, which you said earlier. Yeah, well, it definitely is. I mean, like, like you say, <laughs> the, the, our, our best chance of winning trophies um, and you know, getting those glamour days out, um, is the cups, um, and so as long as he's in the as long as he's he's in the cups, um, I think that you know he'll be fine. I, I don't think we're. I think that you, know, you look at the league at the moment, and I, and I think that pretty much you know it's clearly going to be another terrible league. Oh yeah, every it, pretty much any team out with the other out with those two are capable of beating each other um, on any on any given day, and that's how it looks. I mean, you know. You know, the, us us you know, losing like that to, to Dundee United yesterday, you know, Hearts. You know, who who would have thought that last season Hearts were a one season wonder? Um and you no know, got that you no know, and it was just it just showed it was all promotion bounce. Um, you know, they're all over the place this season. Um, you know, nowhere near equipped equipped enough for European football as well. Um, with our you know, a threadbare squad. I kind of feel like that boy, you know, uh, in the episode of The Simpsons where they're in the mayor's office and the mayor's assistant is saying, election year next year, election year next year. Well, I'm like that, but hearts next week, hearts next week, hearts next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On that note, um, thank you, Martin, for tonight. We're not even going to bother discussing hearts. Um, so uh, that's the professionalism you expect from us, I'm sure. But thank you for your questions. Um, you know, I hope we talked. Um, I thought we covered them sufficiently. Um, and yeah, we'll be back at some point. Might not even be after an absolutely catastrophic 4-0 defeat. Who knows? That's the joy of following this football club. It would be boring if we won every week, wouldn't it, Martin? Until next time, come on you Reds.